Please stand for the reading of God's word. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 uh, to chapter 6, verse 2. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be seen for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. May the Lord bless us through his reading of this word. Thank you. I'm back. Some of you, my name is Ryan Zellner. Some of you think I'm just the hype man for Dave. Uh, if you're new uh, with the announcements, uh, turns out this will be my third time up here. So this is like my return of the Jedi moment uh, to finish out the trilogy. Uh, it is so good to be with you. Uh, I did do announcements last week and I left an important announcement off the the docket. So, Peru, would you join me uh, in the first week of November? We are going down and partnering with Camino de Vida Church. It'll be our third trip down there over the last couple of years. Uh, we'll be distributing uh, the free wheelchair mission um, wheelchairs. Uh, we will be working with Venezuelan refugees who are just flooding into Lima, Peru, which is already a city of 11 million people. And it has diverse poverty on one side and extreme wealth. And we're going to be also working with um, the outcasts, the down and out. Um, and so this, the church is a church of 6,000, and they are phenomenal servants of the Lord. And so I know it may be last uh, minute for some of you, but I would love to get you on that trip with me if we could. So that is that. All right. It is good to be with you. Um, I want to I want to say thanks to Dave for taking a vacation day so that I could be here. He ended uh, our phenomenal series last week 
that went through all summer, and it was Jesus, finding Jesus in the Old Testament. Um, I also want to thank Craig Hill for bringing up the fact that since I now have a free Sunday, it is the, one of the hardest things uh, of picking a passage when you're not part of a series. You, just, you have one shot, um, and, and so you have thousands of scriptures to pick from. And so thanks, Craig, for just elevating um, the epicness of the moment, if you would. Uh, uh, he also helped me do the math that if I preach once a year, then um, the job description teaching pastor is technically 2% of my title. So I have made business cards. And uh, <laughs> if you want one, I'll, uh, I'll let you have one. Uh, actually, like I said, I, I, I get up here about once in every blue moon. Turns out uh, there was two blue moons in 2018. So I'm about ha- every two two. Blue moons. So, anyways, I found out really early that I'm wired to ask questions. Um, I need to understand something in order for me to grasp what is going on. So, I asked a lot of questions like why. Um, ultimately, I found out that I was seeking purpose of things. Why do things exist? Uh, I annoyed my teachers to no end with the amount of questions. And the questions ranged, right? So why is the sky blue? Uh, why do we close our eyes when we pray? Why do we fold our hands? Um, why do we pray before we eat? Who is Jesus? Uh, all of these questions came bubbling up. Uh, uh, most recent one, why does Reef make a sandal with a bottle opener on the, in the heel? That just, uh, that's disgusting to me. <laughs> Why do I want to put my lips where I've been stepping? So the world looks different for me, but I do think that we all are wired at some point in time to ask the question, what is the purpose of life? Why am I here? Because we're all here and we're all going through our life. But I kind of feel like It's getting a job with no job description. Imagine if I took you and I said, hey, I've got this company. I want to hire you. And you're like, great, because I want a job and I want to get paid. And I said, good, follow me. And I lead you in and I give you a desk and I sit you down and then I walk away. Now, I think that after six months, the question is, would you still be there? If you were still there at that job, sitting at that desk, I think one of three things would happen. One, you'd get very bored. Maybe it's fear. Maybe you don't want to mess up what you have. You've got a good thing coming. The paychecks is coming. And so you're just like, keep my head down. I, I'll just sit here. I haven't messed anything up yet. And so I will stay here. That's one option. Option number two could be, Take advantage of the situation. You recognize, I've got time on my hands. I'm going to start taking longer lunches. Nobody's checking in on me. I'm going to use the, the company credit card. I'm going to charge some things. I'm going on Amazon. That can happen. You start pleasing yourself. Third option, you find out, how can I help? I'm here for a purpose. You hired me for a purpose. So what is that? Because I want to do good work and I want to do it well. I want to make the most of my time. 
uh, we just finished the bridge a couple weeks ago. How many of you guys were in the bridge this time? We had over 50 people register. So at least three of you got to be in this room. Just that n- number. Okay. Maybe we scared them all away. Uh, we started the bridge a couple years ago. And the first version of that bridge, uh, the fourth night, was mission night. And so I was able to, to craft it. And I wanted to take that night and I wanted to say, I want to get at the heart of why we do mission. And so naturally, the way that I'm designed, I said, I got to start with a question. Why are we here? What is the purpose? What's the chief end of man? And luckily, somebody had already done the work for me. Westminster Catechisms in 1648 came up with the chief and highest end of man is to glorify God and fully enjoy him forever. I took that. I ran with it. Asked another question. Why am I still here then? Wouldn't God get more glory if he took us all up? Can't I glorify God more in heaven when I'm perfected? Because I'm an imperfect human being. I mess up all the time. But I guarantee you in heaven, I'm going to be able to glorify him much better. Well, luckily, God gave us the answer. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. See, God knows what he's doing. Yes, he wants glory. But he's still waiting for that family reunion in the sky. He's still waiting because there are more people that will come into his family and he's calling them in. See, that understanding, that thought process for me makes the light bulb goes on. Uh, There's a quote by John Piper that says this. Missions exist because worship does not. It brings new meaning to loving God and loving others. When I recognize that I have a role and a responsibility on this earth, that God is working through me, to bring other people into the family. And so there is a job description. There is a role for us. There is a purpose in our life to being here on earth as we come into the family of God, to stay here and to do the work that he has for us. Now, this is a family talk today. So if you have a relationship with the Lord and wherever you're at, whether it's super strong or it's struggling right now, this talk is for you. If you were brought along or you showed up and you said, I'm interested in this Jesus thing. I want to learn more about it. I think you're going to learn a lot about it today. Um, But I'm going to be talking to those that are already believers. My uh, thought process is I want to encourage the body. And at the end, I will also talk to those that are not believers yet. Because my thought process is, for us as a family, is there are so many distractions in this world that we need to be reminded of what our role and our responsibility is. Because we will forget. That's part of our human nature. It made me sad when I saw this statistic. It's by George Barna. Uh, was in his book, Revolution. It says, statistics tell us that a typical believer will die without leading a single person to a life-saving relationship 
with Jesus Christ. I want to tell you this morning that we were not just saved from something. We were saved for something. And with our time left on earth, I want to go through our passage and show you that we still have a job to do. So let's look at our text. Corinthians. Corinthian church, I have a quote from Kent Hughes. It says, during Paul's ministry, Corinth was newly rebuilt, bustling, an important city in the Roman Empire. It was a place full of pride, individualism, wealth, and religious pluralism. Sounds like a city I know. No wonder its inhabitants held little regard for Paul's message. Paul established, helped establish uh, the Corinthian church on his second missionary journey. Uh, he came in, built it up, fruit happened, people responded, they rejoiced, a church was started. Um, First Corinthians is a book where they had a lot of questions on, on how to work out their faith in the context that they were. So there's a lot of practical, how does this work? What should we do? How's it going? Uh, Second Corinthians has a totally different flavor to it. What has happened is false, uh, false teachers have come into the church. People are starting to doubt things like the resurrection the church is sliding off its foundation. There are people that are definitely still faithful there, but there are also people part of the church that are listening to these false teachers. So much so that they have begun to reject Paul as an authority in their life. Could you imagine a church that wouldn't listen to Paul and, and what he has to say? And so he spends a great deal of his time in 2 Corinthians. In fact, uh, he, a guy named P.E. Hughes says, the whole epistle may be described as a vindication of his genuineness. He has to tell this church, look, you need to listen to what I have to say. He concludes his argument by saying this. I love God. I love you. Listen to what I have to say. Listen to what is important. As grace-filled, redeemed people, this is what we should be, out, be about. And he goes at length into the gospel. He's talking to a church, but he's using evangelistic language. And so this passage that we will go through today comes down to two things. It comes down to the gospel and our new situation, which I'm calling the family business. So I just want to highlight all the times the gospel comes up in these few verses. Verse 14, one died for all and therefore all died. Verse 15, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, in Christ being the gospel language of his death and resurrection. The new creation has come. Verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Verse 19. The God, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Verse 20. Be reconciled to God. Verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness 
of God. It's hard sometimes when you've been a Christian a long time, just how radical the change is when Christ comes into our life. The death to life changes everything. Right? Dramatic pause. Read the creative slide from the young hip pastor. (laughs) Verse 15. This is how everything has changed. No longer live for ourselves, but live for Jesus. No longer from the first 16, no longer from a worldly point of view. Verse 17, we are in Christ. We are a new creation. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. The new is here. That means you have a new role, new parameters, a new life. There is a new kingdom that God spoke about. A new era, a new creation. I want to take you back to the Garden of Eden for a minute and just remind you how we even got to this point where we need the message of reconciliation. God a man. God created man. He put us in the garden. He used to walk with Adam and Eve in the garden. They had an intimate relationship. They knew each other. Nothing was hidden. And they enjoyed each other. And then one day, as humans go, we decided we want to be in charge of making our own decisions. We want to be in charge of what is right and wrong. And so we took the fruit, we bit it, and we sinned, and we, we caused a mutiny. And that created a barrier between us. A barrier that has had immense trickle-down effects into our whole world, to every human being. Our relationship with God was broken at that point. And two things, one decision created two things. One, we sinned. We broke that relationship with God with our sin. But it also created a problem for God, too. He now has wrath because he is a just God who has to deal with sin and can only be in perfection. And so now our perfect relationship just got broken because we said we want a kingdom of man. And now wrath and sin are this barrier to us and God. And the ministry of reconciliation and the message of reconciliation is this because if you look at our our passage reconciliation shows up five times this is important stuff and so I want to walk through this reconciliation is the idea of a relationship has been severed we're not on speaking terms we're we're not hanging out anymore something happened Dramatic and bad, and I'm done with that person. That's what happened between us and God. Reconciliation normally is when two people decide, we're going to come back together, we're going to patch things up. Problem is, is, is we can't do anything about our sin. And God has wrath that he has to take out on sin. And so, this is a different kind of reconciliation. This is a special god 
inspired, God-initiated reconciliation where he sends his son Jesus and Jesus takes on all of our sin. Jesus takes all of God's wrath and in his body, the in Christ portion of our text, we find ourselves in Christ Because what he's done is he has reconciled us through Christ. We can now have a relationship with God. Without Christ, we are still not reconciled, not connected. And we will spend an eternity not in the presence of God. With Christ, everything is made new. Everything is coming back together. And so, verse 18 I'm just going to point out again that this is God-initiated. All this is from God. He reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. See, I know early on we get like, okay, I've been forgiven. I've been forgiven. Okay, I've been adopted. I know I'm in God's family. I got it. I got it. That's common. We hear that a lot. But see, our role now changes as believers. We have a role to do. You've been invited into the family business. And as long as the world is still here, God is in the business of reconciling people into himself. Uh, My dad's a fireman, so we don't have a family business, but my grandpa had a family business. Uh, He was a nurseryman. He owned 50 acres up in uh, someplace over there. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think where it is. I said it first service. Go back and listen to the tape. Uh, Monterey Park. Monterey Park. Got it. It's right there. Uh, 50 acres. And my parents dropped me off at my grandparents' house one summer. They went on a cruise. And he decided, I was like 9 or 10, and he's like, I'm going to take you to work with me. I said, great. So we rode in, and I got to sit in the big chair. You know, he had this big desk. It was literally like this big, and it was that way. It was a power desk. I mean, you did not want to sit across from him. And he let me sit in the big chair. Uh, He let me sit at the desk. He gave me, uh, from his own personal stash, a Pepsi. And I got to walk through the garden with the owner. Hand in hand. He would stop and he'd, and he'd share with me like what all the plants were and how they needed special care and how he tended to them. I got a real life lesson of grafting. Not drafting, grafting. Nine or ten that I still remember. Where, where they, they, they spliced in a new branch. And this is, stuff is blowing my mind. I got to have lunch with the owner. And at the end of the day, I got to go home with the owner. There are people that have been working for my grandfather for years that never had that kind of access to the boss. But we have a special, special relationship. And so in one day, I just felt like the king of the whole place, kind of like it was mine, because of my relationship with the owner. We're in a family business. We have a role to do. And Paul does a pretty good job in this passage. I'm going to point out 
the role that he has left for us to do, being that we are in the business of reconciliation. Verse 14 says, We've been, he's compelled by Christ's love. We've been given this message, this gospel, and it's all initiated because God loves us. He loves us, and because of that love, we love him. And that's the fuel and the motivation and the word, it means steadfast, holding through the sustaining love to be able to go about and share with people the gospel. We get to work with the founder and the owner of the world. I want, I want that to create a sense of wonder for you. 2 Corinthians 6.1 directly calls us God's co-workers. In verse 20, Paul uses a really strong power analogy. And it's this idea of uh, the ambassadorship. So in a Roman ambassador, when they stepped into a town or a city, they carried the full force of the Roman Empire. What they said was law. Nobody questioned that it was coming from either the the Caesar or the Senate because they were the ambassador of the Roman Empire. They embodied the power in in their presence. And so for us, Paul is saying, hey, look, we're Christ's ambassadors as though God were directly speaking through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf. Here's the gospel. Be reconciled. Receive reconciliation from God. He's doing all the work. Just receive it. Now, how do you feel about that? Adding one who speaks for God on your, on your resume. As Marty McFly would say, that's heavy, right? But it's true. There are some things that I want to give you. These are... Always true in every circumstance, and you can say, this is from God. Be reconciled to God. God wants everybody to have a relationship with him. God loves you and wants a relationship with you. Put your faith in Jesus. These things are always true. He died for you so that... So that you can have his righteousness. Don't try and earn God's favor. The price is much too steep. Let Jesus pay for it. Ask questions when you're with people. Get at what do they love. And then tell them what you love. Paul does a good job of this job description for the family business. I'm going to run through them again in your scripture by scripture. One, verse 14, the idea that we're compelled by the love of Christ. That is our motivation. Uh, as a job description, you got to love Jesus. That's part of it. You got to be, to be hired, you got to love Jesus. You got to live for Jesus. You can't live for yourself anymore. Not in this new, not in this new life. It's not how it works. Verse 16, regard everyone from eternal perspective. I don't know about you, but I think we get caught up in the worldly perspective of people, of of their power 
and the money they have or the house they live in or the car they drive in. We see the external. As believers, we're, we're called, look at them from an eternal point of view. Have compassion, love, grace on them. Recognize that they are in deep spiritual need. You've been given the ministry of reconciliation. You are Christ's ambassador. You are speaking on behalf of God. And this last one says, appeal, implore, urge and persuade people to receive God's grace. So like I said earlier, man, I, I want to do this life right. I get one, one shot at it. I want to glorify the Lord. Is this just a Paul thing? I think not. As Christians, as one who follows Jesus, we are supposed to imitate Jesus. And Jesus embodied this. He came and literally was our reconciliation by dying on the cross for us. Paul himself says in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of of Christ. Uh, when I played tennis, which is not very often, I'm not very good at it, uh, I put on a tennis shoe. When I play soccer, I'll put on one of these. Not this particular one, it's a little small, wouldn't fit. But it's a cleat. If I play golf, I won't put on this cleat, I'll put on a different cleat. And if I ever go running, which is the thing I hate the most in this world, I will put on a running shoe. And yet, here's what Scripture says, and this is one of my favorite verses. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You have so many roles in this world. You are a husband, or you're a wife, you're a son, you're a daughter, you're a friend, you're an employee, you're your employee, you're a neighbor. You have many, 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 many different roles. Okay. But fundamentally, the core of who you are, because you're a Christ follower, is you are a light bearer. You are a minister of reconciliation. You've been handed that message by God. To hand to other people. You are the son of good news. You're the daughter of good news. You are a lawyer for Jesus, as Moffat said. You're a gospel real estate agent. You're a gospel plumber. You're a gospel dentist. You're a gospel neighbor. You're a gospel friend. You're a gospel golfer. Inviting people to be reconciled to God is your life. That is part of the new life. That is part of being in the family business. And so I have three ways that I want to give you to say, like, are, are we doing this right? I feel like there's probably some wrong ways to do it. I want to give you three surefire right ways. And they're questions. Do you know how loved you are? Do you really, really know? Has it soaked into your soul. Matthew 3, 16 and 17 says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, 
whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Ladies and gentlemen, this is before Jesus did any kind of ministry. He had done nothing publicly, and yet God just shows up and says, I delight. Ladies and gentlemen, he delights in you. You are in Christ. You have this same thought from the Father when he thinks of you. Are you abiding, resting, and trusting in Christ? I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This isn't about trying harder. This is about staying really close to Jesus. The owner of the company has great access to things and wants you to succeed. So abide, stay close, and listen to what the Father has for you. Number three, are you leaning into what God has for you? Lean in, follow, learn, practice. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. We have the Holy Spirit in us. He is the spirit of mission, and he wants to reconcile people. He wants to bring them back into the family of God, and he will lead you into that. Uh, this guy right here did not just decide one day to jump however many feet the ski long jumpers jump. I was watching Eddie the Eagle. It's a movie. Um, it's like the Napoleon Dynamite of Olympic movies. Um, and here's a guy totally not athletic and he decides I it was his dream to be in the Olympics and so he figures out like what's the easiest way to get in and nobody from his country was doing the ski long jump and so he's like I'm going to try and he was bad at it and yet he kept trying and the one thing to be successful on the ski long jump is you can see on this picture is you got to lean into it you have to lean into it and you have to practice And so he practiced and he practiced and he leaned into it and he qualified. Not gifted, but he qualified. The other thing is, is and you know, going back to my questions, I don't understand, but scientists have not figured out why ice is slippery yet. They have their theories, but come on, no. Can you fix me up? Sorry, I touched it. I'll just tell you. Uh, <laughs> the, the point is to lean in. And when you're walking on ice, if you walk like a human, you're going to slip and fall. But if you walk like a penguin, they lean up over their toes. They're ready for what's coming, and they can walk, and, and they do a, a fabulous job. Uh, I love having Moffat and Doreen here as a living example. There you go. Walk like a penguin. Uh, Moffat and Doreen are here, and they just gave testimony of, look, God called us to this, and we leaned in. I mean, people told him it was a crazy idea, did they not? It was too big of a dream. But they leaned in. They were faithful to what God had for them. I'm calling everyone to be faithful for what God has for you, to lean in. 
God will provide the way. He's ultimately responsible. Fail. That's fine. You tried. You leaned in. You'll practice. You'll get more opportunities. When I lean into the Spirit and I say, hey, I'm ready, I'm willing, show me opportunities, I begin to see the opportunities. More opportunities start popping up. And then I get to lean into that. My vision for our community, I will say this. There's certain things I love talking about. I love talking about music. I love sharing music with people. I like talking about movies um, and Jeeps. If you want to talk about Jeeps, I love to talk about Jeeps. This, this week I even shared a, a book that I finished on Facebook. You probably have your things that you love. You're prob- I mean, some of you are already ambassadors for USC, you know, and the Lakers. Uh, your favorite coffee shop or the, the restaurant that is new that you loved, and you will rave about it. Why? I ask you the question, why? You may have your own different answer. My answer is because my experience when I was doing that or eating that or enjoying that, it changed my life somehow. It made it better. I want my friends to experience the same thing. When I think about sharing Jesus, though, clam up. It feels heavy. There's a weight to it. And so my prayer is that we tap into the reality of just how drastically we have been changed as believers. May we understand. May Christ's love compel us. May we realize that there is nothing better in the world than being reconciled to God, that we were dead in our sins, and now we have eternal life because of his sacrifice. There is nothing better. Not a tiramisu, not a latte, not a book. There is nothing better than that. And I want my friends to experience the same thing. Imagine if fear disappeared and love burst forth from us, being driven by God to no longer see people from an earthly point of view, but that we would embrace our ministry, our God-given ministry of reconciliation. And if you are in this crowd and you don't have a relationship with Christ, my message to you is simple. Be reconciled to God. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, you are a good, 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 good Father. Thank you for sending your Son to die on the cross for us, that we, not, that we would not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you, just like that song talked about shoulders, Lord, that just, I had this vision of you carrying us through everything, that we get to live life because of what you've done, and you are bringing us to a whole new level a whole new responsibility. You've given us purpose, God. Thank you that we get to live out our days with purpose and it's a very highly relational, intimate thing that you've given us, God. And, you, and, and it's not like you've, you're sending us out without you. You're right here with us. And so, Lord, would you do a work in us? Would you remind us? Would you keep us focused on the job that you have for us? In Jesus' name, amen.